Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the Tools for Today's podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Dilhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we are very excited to have Beck Wicker here with us. Um, Beck is a crop insurance manager with the Beacon Ag Services. And can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Um, actually, I'm retired now from that position. Oh, um, however, I still yeah, so I still have um, pretty close ties to that um, organization and to the the agents that I worked with. And so I'm, I'm still in touch with that. My husband and I uh, farm here in Rush County and have been involved with farming since 1976 here. Um, wow. I, we have been through many, many stressful times, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and um, we started with a lot of bologna sandwiches and uh, trying to trying to get ourselves on the ground and uh, get ourselves established. We um, lived through very high interest rates in the 70s. We lived through droughts in the 80s. We lived through lots of different things. We've raised our children here. Um, I actually, we, and we milked cows, which is a kind of stressful activity as well. In the mid-2004, uh, 2000, I believe, I decided that I was getting old enough that I did not need to push cows anymore and that I um, would be better served to work off farm, uh, which is one of those things that a lot of families do um, is, is have someone off farm. And I'll, I guess I can touch on that later when we get into this a little deeper. But I did, at that point, I went to work for what was Midwest Ag Finance. Um, I did lots of different jobs with a small finance company. I did some um, human resources. I worked with crop agents. I worked with lots of different things at that point uh, in 2015, that company was sold and I worked with Beacon then as the next parent company um, and did do the crop insurance at that point. Um, so there, there, I've had a, I've kind of had a varied and storied career with a lot of um, finance, close relationships to lots of lenders and, and how that side of the world works besides knowing what as a farmer you go through. Right. That makes you so well-rounded. Well, we could say that. Yes, that would be great. Um, I guess, uh, you know, the other the other piece of this is, you know, what kind of stress besides that, that I have had, I, like I said, we, we came in through some lean times. And we, we experienced a lot, we grew from that, we, like I guess, have milked cows until the early 90s. That was a stressful thing. Uh, sold the cows at that point and still raised heifers and have tried to involve our family, our, our children in with the operation now. And, and that's a, there are all of those things kind of layer up and become a stressful thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, how is it you, you talk about working with your family and I know that that is something very unique with farmers and farm families is that 
having your family as coworkers, there's that line of, you know, where does work end and family begin? How was balancing family and work? What was your experience with that? We're still working on that. We, <laughs> and I think, I think if you talk to many, many families, it, they would tell you the same, that it's a work in progress. Um, there are always things to learn from shouldn't have done that, shouldn't have handled that situation the way that it was. I guess, you know, and when we talk about succession planning, uh, which is a kind of a buzzword now, um, it's, it's how can we how can we pass on what we have built to the next generation? The thing to consider with that, what does the next generation want to do? They will not want, they don't want to do things exactly as you did. I know we did not. I mean, right. that when we started, it was, we didn't want to do it that same way. And there's so many more opportunities and so many more niche markets, so many small markets that you we, that need to be considered um, when you're talking about a succession plan. I know we've I'm, talked to several different families and you know, generational family farms that as the generations come through, they each try to carve out a specific part of farming or a different, you know, type of things going on that they try to make their own. And we find right. that farm families that are able to adapt in that way are then better able to, you know, continue on to the next generation because they're allowing that next generation to make decisions and make the farm their own. And, and part of that is it's a, a matter of letting go. Yes. Doesn't matter that's hard. What, what age you are, um, even for younger people, they may think I do want to do it that way, but it's not financially, not feasible, not, you know, it just doesn't fit. And that, that market is, has kind of grown and changed and we all need to learn to, to move with that. So, right. you know, it, it, it's not just an older generational thing. Um, I think it's everybody needs to learn to see where they fit and, and see what works in the, in the marketplace today. Absolutely. I think you're 100% right. Is there a plan in your family's farm to continue things on to the next generation? We are still working on that. My husband and I are still actively farming. So it's a, you know, we've had those discussions. Think, you know, try to try to give everybody the chance to figure out which direction they want to go, uh, mm -hmm. work with their off-farm jobs, work with however their family situation is. And, and I think we'll, we'll eventually get to what are the legal steps that need to be, that seems to be the hang up on many. And I know in hours of what would what would be the legal, I guess, framework mm -hmm. to make all that happen? Right. Absolutely. You know, there's something too that you started talking about um, the piece of the puzzle that is having an off farm job. I want to jump into that a little bit too, because there is an element of stress that comes with taking a job off the farm, whether to supplement income, whether to you know diversify portfolios, or you know any of the various reasons why people in a farm family take an off-farm job. What were some of the benefits and some of the stressful things that came along, along with that experience? I guess one of the other buzzwords that, that we probably ought to bring up is risk management. You know, one of all types of insurance, crop insurance was the, the biggest risk management thing that 
can happen. All kinds of insurance pieces, real estate, um, vehicle, fire, whatever you want to call it. Um, But the other one that gets ignored quite often is health insurance. Absolutely. And I think, you know, for many families, health insurance availability with an off-farm job is one of the reasons that people go to work off-farm because um, just for that that peace of mind, that stability, that affordability that comes with a, a company's provided health insurance plan. And I know for myself, that was one of those things that was a, a bonus for what I could do. It was a, when you talk about stress, it was a little stressful because I still wanted to do things that I had been doing on the farm and, and still work. And you right. find out you can't do it all. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, you, I see that with so many people that they run themselves ragged or they are, um, you know, in poor health because they uh, try to do too many things and, you know, work calls them one way and you're trying to take care of family and you think, oh, I need to, I need to provide this with the farm and I need to do all the meals in the field. I need to do all of these things that I would do if I was home. And it's, it's tough. It's tough. You get, you just can't do it. I went to a, just this afternoon, went to a veterans day program down at the school that I walked in and a lady said, wow, you have lost weight. I said, you know, it's because I quit working. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I don't have that stress anymore. I think that's part of it. You don't realize what you're doing to yourself or what you're doing to your body when you let that stress get to you. And that's talking of hearing that. And then hearing you talk about the succession planning and passing things off to the next generation, something you, nobody ever wants to do is pass along stress. So, oh. so do you give your children um, or anyone else like advice to manage that stress? You know, they don't really want to hear that sometimes. You know, and I, I guess, I guess I'm to the point that I try to relieve some of that stress if I can, because I am retired. I can do some of these things. You can do some of the other things that you want to do. And to find that not every family, not every farm is going to have that kind of situation that kind of give and take that there is somebody that can go to the, the Veterans Day program because there's no one else that can go or because mom and dad are both working. You know, it's just, it's one of those things you have to work at. You have to figure that out. Yes, Definitely. I, I know, am currently trying to figure that out. So I, that's good to, to hear that, you know, it's it's common for people not to always have that together and and it's it's a work in progress. But you obviously have it down. Because something I wanted to mention too is that in I was I was looking you up and I saw that in 2019 you received a pretty amazing award from Purdue, the Women in Ag Group. And I want to make sure I get it right. So you got the uh, Women in Ag Achievement Award. So could you tell us a little bit about what that award means? Uh, you know, I was very um, very flattered. Very um, humbled by by that. I I guess when you you know you look at began uh, farming and in ag full time really in the mid seventies. This was not a time that women did this. This was not a time that you really you really put yourself out there. There were several of us that that kind of forged that path. 
or felt like we were forging that path. And it was always a stressful thing. There was not the option of, oh, you're going to go be a, 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 a seed salesman or a fertilizer dealer or, you know, a, a whatever. And I think kudos to all of those young ladies now that are doing those kinds of things. That was, that was a hard road to get to. And we, you know, we fought, we were, I was in at Purdue, you know, women were not in the ag school. There were not very many of us in the ag school. I think if you look now, it's mostly, mostly female. You looked at FFA, there were not girls in FFA until early seventies. And now primarily that's, that's an interesting shift, but, but that says a lot. I think uh, reading your bio and everything in there and, and hearing all that you've done, just balancing, you know, a, a nine to five job and then a farm. And then I saw that, that you kept track of the books and all that. I, that's, right. And then have children on top of that. That's a lot of full-time jobs crammed into one and that takes a lot of work. So it, it sounds like you've done a really amazing job keeping all of that straight. And I mean, I would love to hear any words of wisdom, uh, how you do that. I think that's great. You, re- you Tell realize us your secrets. That- <laughs> Tell us your secrets. Um, I think is, you know, I, I, I lose my cool. You do have to know that, that everything is not as smooth uh, you know, sometimes I look like the duck that I'm paddling like crazy underneath, but, you know, maybe it looks okay, but you still have to do that. I, I guess I'm I'm still trying to, to make sure that my granddaughters and that younger people know that you can still do things, even when you're beyond a certain age. We show cattle, and I've had a, a heifer that we purchased last spring. I said, you know, she's my project. She's mine. And I, you know, I wanted to show the girls that this is what hard work does. You get that heifer ready, you get her, get her there. We just showed it North American last weekend. You know, it's, it's, this is something that you can continue to do if it's something that you like to do. Right. No one can tell you, no, you can't do that anymore because you're not in 4-H or you're not a, that's not, you, you keep those lifelong interests in you. Maybe you put it on a back burner for a bit, but then it, it's always there. Right. And because that, again, that, that's a lot of hard work, but then you also need some of that support on the back end too. And what does that support look like to you from maybe your husband or your children um, or just whoever? What does that look like? Um, husband has always been very supportive. Sometimes he gets aggravated or not understanding why I'm thinking what I do. And I've always been a a very organized person. So things need to be kind of set. He says, well, you're not very spontaneous because you don't like to. Well, there's a reason because that spontaneity sometimes leads me astray or gets me off track. And I don't like that. So, you know, that's that's one of those things. If that's what stresses you, don't do it. Or, you know, you, you need to, to figure out where you can do that. But, I, you know, great support as far as, as far as this heifer, I had, I had nothing but support from family, from, uh, you know, we have a, one son that works with the cattle all the time. And, you know, when we came home, I said, thanks, you know, thanks for all you did. And he said, well, you did most of it. And I thought, yeah, but you were there 
when I wasn't there, you were taking care of her too. So, you know, those are always things that, and they're, and they're all very supportive that, yep, if you're going to take her, we'll, we'll help, we'll get her clipped. We'll help get all that done. So, uh, you know, those are just small examples of, of how, how that works. That, and I think it's really cool how, you know, you talk about those who support you because in other ways in your life, you've been the one supporting others. And so it's really neat to see all of that and how, you know, in the agriculture community, everyone does support each other in different ways. And one of the things that I love about you and all of the different positions and jobs that you've had is how you've been able to support farmers in various different roles. I wanted to talk a little bit about the crop insurance side of things, just because, you know, your experience with that. And that's a, that's a pretty daunting process. It can be very stressful for farmers and, you know, is one of those things that you never want to use it. That's why you have it uh, type of things. How did you help your clients, the farmers handle it all? You know, with finance company and a small company, it became a, it became obvious to me that, you know, you can ask people to get crop insurance, but that is just, that's their safety net. If this happens, then you're covered. You know, what, what's the level that you can live with and it's the same with any kind of insurance, really. What you know? What's the level of of loss that you can stand? Uh, be it crop insurance, be it health insurance, be it uh, you know property insurance, a vehicle. We all you know all play with that. What what kind of deductible do you want? What kind of this or that do you want? But I think with the crop insurance, it becomes a very evident to uh, farmers that this is a piece that it's hard to live without. Uh, when something catastrophic happens. And I know for many years, it was just catastrophic insurance that, you know, if it was a complete failure, you would get paid for that. Well, now it's that I had to replant and I get paid, I get paid to, to replant my crop. I have hail that comes through. I have hail insurance that takes care of that crop to a, you know, to a certain degree. There you know, you have a, a drought and, and nothing produces and that income from that crop insurance is, is it's not going to make you whole, but it will help you in the cash flow and the, the financial end of where, where you are. No insurance makes you whole. I will, I yeah. will say that doesn't matter what I, it is. I like that, that take on it because I was thinking more of the stressful process of the paperwork and filling out everything for insurance. But the way you kind of explain it there makes it, you know, almost feel like a stress reliever to have the insurance, which is a a take I hadn't, um, hadn't thought of yet in the conversation. So I I really like the approach that you take to that because it is in a way, you know, one of those just extra tools that we have to help, you know, manage some of that stress and and manage the risk, obviously. On the, on the agency side, of that and a, a good crop agent is going to take care of all that paperwork for you. As far as filing claims, as far as getting your policy set, it's always with, you know, with the consent, with the knowledge of what that farmer or that producer has, they're the ones that are, that are going to fill out that paperwork for you. So it's not like you have to fill it all out yourself. Right. It comes down to the relationships that you have. Right. With Right. The- and you, and, and that's, it's a, it's a trust thing that you, you can do that and you can make sure that everything is, everything is right. Everything is correct. 
you're not going to be caught with your pants down in August because right. they didn't do that right. Well, you right. know, there are certain things that a farmer needs to do to check and make sure that it's all right and get that corrected before a certain before premium time essentially is what it is. You know, all of those pieces as an agency, we worked to, you know, work with the with the farmer, with the agents to make sure all of that was right. You know, come harvest time, we were good to go. So if I were a farmer starting out, because to me that sounds stressful and you know, trying to figure out the farming itself would be stressful, but then you're adding that layer, but it's very important. Um, if if I were a new new starting out farmer, where would I go to get this information about crop insurance? There are many crop agents, crop agencies across the state. And I'm sure that you probably would know one. It seems like everyone has a friend that's selling crop insurance or has some connection with a, with an agency. And I, I think that's crop, crop insurance is it's all the same price. It doesn't matter what agency it is. There is no, it's set by the federal government as far as what the price is every year. So there's no deviation from that between agencies. So you're not going to get a cheaper deal going to crop agency A versus crop agency B. Okay. So it comes down to who do you know? Interesting. Okay. I did not know that. I learned something new today. So that's great. But I know uh, being that it's open enrollment time for, for us is in Purdue. And so I think about that insurance, which can be confusing enough to making sure you pick the right plan. Is the crop insurance that same way? Like, are there various plans? Yes, there are, there are lots of different plans, lots of different um, layers of you can insure for revenue that you think you might have a revenue loss. You can insure for um, production loss and you can pick the percentage level that you want. Uh, you know, you can go up to 90, 95%. You can, uh, with an extra little premium, you can pay to get to that level if that's where you need to be. It all costs, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, one of those things you have to decide where's my break even. And you may have some lender that's going to tell you where your break even is okay. and what you have to have. Okay. That seems like a great way to alleviate some of that stress that obviously would any farmer would experience because you can't control the weather. And that's one of those, a big stressor that farmers experience. The crop insurance, crop insurance sales season ends like March 15th. Being the eternal optimist that farmers always are, most have already (laughs) bought their seed, bought their fertilizer, bought their chemicals. They know all that. So it's not a stretch to say, okay, we're going to buy insurance to insure this crop that we have not even put a seed in a planter yet. Right. So we know we're going to do, we estimate that we're going to do 500 acres of beans, 500 acres of corn. And, and that can vary once the planting is done. Mm-hmm. They go through a process of after it's done, we go to the FSA at work closely. Crop agencies work closely with the FSA office farm service agency, producer goes in and certifies what acres he has planted. And then the parent crop insurance company knows what to, what kind of premium he's going to have. 
for those acres. I'm learning all kinds of things. And I hope everybody listening is too, because I think that's great information. It's another thing that it all comes back together, right? It's all of those relationships that you have in agriculture, because, you know, you go talk to your FSA representative, you go talk to your crop insurance agent, you go and talk to, you know, your seed salesman, and you have to, you have to maintain the relationships with all of these different people in order to make your farm work. And it's so important that we rely on each other and that we support each other in what we do so that we can all be successful and, you know, reminding each other of the deadlines that are coming up and and being on top of it and making sure that, you know, your neighbor who you haven't seen in a little while has uh, got everything that they need to get done. Right. And I guess I've always thought that was the the greatest part of a, a farming community and living in a farming community, because we do make sure that those that need help get help. Be it in the field, you know, we we talk about mental health. That's a tougher conversation to have with farmers. Yep. And I know there have been some Purdue programs on that. And farmers are very, for the most part, pretty reserved, uh, pretty private, pretty much loners. And sometimes even family doesn't know what's going on with them. So it's a yep. it's one of those important things to keep track of how everybody's feeling, however, you know, you, you kind of become that person or you find someone in that family that takes on that role of making sure everybody's heads in a, in a good place. It is. It's easier said than done for sure. We've talked about as a farm stress team doing programs with, you know, FSA agencies and with some of these people that farmers meet with all the time, because you see these farmers and you see them talk about their, their farm and their crop and, you get to kind of get a feel for where their head's at in that mental health realm of if they're in a good headspace or if they're really experiencing some hard times. And that's something that I think we need to do more of as an industry. And I, I fully agree with that because people sometimes um, doesn't, doesn't matter what the health issue is. Sometimes they're more willing to tell an outsider than someone in the family you know, more willing to say, these are my symptoms. This is what I'm thinking. Uh, You know, I'm being able to recognize that as uh, some kind of ag industry person is very important. Yes, it is. And I think that's one of those things that in the future, like you said, farmers tend to be a little bit more reserved, but opening up conversations like this, where letting people know, and especially the farmers that, it's okay to not be okay. And it's good to talk to people if you need to, or if somebody, if you know a farmer, or if you're in an industry where you work alongside farmers to reach out. Um, And I think that that leads me to my next question, which is hope. We like to end our podcasts on a very positive note because we talk a lot about negative things, but what is something that you are hopeful for in the future when it comes to farming and agriculture? I think just the involvement of younger generation is a very hopeful thing. I mean, I I think that's where that's where the future is. I'm not always going to be here. And I think there are there are lots of opportunities for younger, the next generation, I guess, let's put it that way, um, to get involved in the in in policymaking, in uh, production, in sales, in 
you know, all those kinds of relationships. I mean, I think on a, you know, on a personal level, I think it's hopeful for me because I am, um, I see, uh, you know, the, my generation of farmers, friends with that next generation. We, they, they text back and forth. They say, Hey, you know, are you running today? Are you, are you ready for, you know, ready for the rain? Are you, you know, looking for rain or how much rain did you get last night or, you know, whatever it is. And I know, you know, farmer farming is such a cyclical thing that, you know, we don't feel stressed right now because the crops out of the field, at least ours, and for the most part in Indiana, it's, it, you know, everything is out. So we're not as stressed about, is the corn going to go down? Is, you know, are we going to have enough room and, and what's this costing? And, you know, we're in the, you know, through the summer, through the planting season, through everything, you have all of those, the financial end of it, the supply or lack of supply, you know, there, there are just so many things that, that can cause stress in that time. And, and we're into a, a little more Thanksgiving, you know, thankful that we had, we had a crop to harvest and that everything is in and that we have those things. And I think that's a real hopeful thing for me. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you want to share or that you want to make sure that farmers know about any of the programs that you've been a part of over the years that people should um, look into? I've been I've been involved with Women in Ag since its beginning here in Indiana. I know there, there are some programs that they have kind of partnered with Nebraska and their farm stress programs, the farm succession programs. We have several of those that I think, you know, through Purdue, they would be excellent for a farmer or a farm family to get involved in and listen to some of those kinds of programs. Absolutely. And we can definitely link some of those as well. And Beck, we thank you so much for talking to us, giving us all this information, sharing your story. It's fantastic to listen to, to get another perspective and just hear what you've done. And I know people listening can also say that they feel that and they feel less alone too. So we thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to the tools for today's Farmers Podcast. If you would like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team, go to extension.purdue.edu slash farm stress, or you can find us on Facebook, the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or if you have topics you'd like to suggest for the tools for today's farmer podcast, please leave a message for us on the Farm Stress Facebook page. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on our posts to emphasize that the agriculture community is resilient and is strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. Thank you again. We're your hosts, Rachel Dillhoff and Abby Heidenreich. Have a great day.